Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Food Integrity Now, advocating integrity in our global food supply. This is our first show at our new venue, Blog Talk Radio. I'm one of the hosts of the show, Carol Gravet, and I'm here with one of my co-hosts, Susan Wright, and Matt Spaeth will be joining us shortly. Welcome, Susan. Hi, Carol. Thank you. Uh, We plan on having on this show very interesting, informative, and uh, provocative shows on current issues that affect our health and the environment. We hope we can inspire and educate you to get involved in some way on any issue that speaks to you. We would also like to educate many about the growing concerns and challenges that we're facing involving our food supply and the environment. We welcome all of your questions and comments. Our website is foodintegritynow.org, and you can email us at info at foodintegritynow.org. And if you have any questions or comments during the show, our call-in number is 877-497-5892. On our show today, we're going to be talking about geoengineering, or chemtrails, Also, weather modification, and we're going to be speaking with documentary filmmaker and activist Michael Murphy. Michael's current film is What in the World Are They Spraying? We also have G. Edward Griffin. Mr. Griffin is also a filmmaker and was also involved in the film What in the World Are They Spraying? He's a political speaker and author, and some of his books include The Creature from Jekyll Island and World Without Cancer. Welcome, gentlemen. Well, thanks for inviting us. Thank you, Carol. Good to be on. Yeah, it's great to have you guys. So, Michael, it's been about one year since you completed your film, and uh, we're going to talk about some of the current findings. But before we get started on that, can you educate our listeners a little bit about what is geoengineering? Sure. Uh, Geoengineering is defined as the artificial modification of the Earth's climate systems. So uh, I can take you back to the uh, what geoengineers are proposing, and they're proposing spraying 10 to 20 million tons of toxic aluminum into our sky uh, for what they said was the stated goal of cooling the planet. Um, however, it appears that there are uh, multi-agendas for, uh, for these programs. Many people know them as the chemtrail issue. So typically uh, what we see not only here in L.A. but uh, around the world are these long white lines behind airplanes that do not dissipate. They tend to uh, actually spread out um, from horizon to horizon. Very different than what a natural normal contrail is. Uh, Contrail is short for condensation trail. When an airplane flies at a certain elevation, uh, typically above 30 35,000 feet, uh, where it's very cold, you can see a very uh, short white line uh, behind it. That line usually quickly dissipates, real similar 
to when we breathe in cold air. But uh, essentially, geoengineering again, it's a it's a, it's a science which is funded by governments, uh, scientists, and corporations. And uh, again, they're proposing spraying these toxins into our sky. Great explanation. So. Um, when we spoke with you about six months ago, we had you on our show, uh, you talked a lot about the findings of uh, what was happening with the soil and such, and specifically in Hawaii. And I understand you just recently went back there one year later, and could you update us on what's happening there? Sure. Well, when we, we started filming, uh, again, geoengineers' plans were and are to spray uh, aluminum oxide into our sky. And we, uh, in the world, are they spraying, which I did with uh, G. Edward Griffin, who's on the, on the show today. Uh, it's an investigative documentary into the science of geoengineering, also the chemtrail issue. And uh, what people have been finding, it was very interesting, in Northern California, uh, a few years ago, the scientists started noticing that the forest and ecosystems were collapsing up there. So they started uh, questioning and, and decided to go ahead and start testing the pH of soils. And what they found was that the soil was increasing in alkalinity, uh, not minor increases, but anywhere between uh, 12 to 18 times the normal alkalinity uh, of the soil. So they started uh, doing further tests and decided to test the rain. And what they found were incredible amounts of aluminum, barium, and strontium. Uh, aluminum, barium, and strontium will change the pH of soils from uh, an acidic soil to an alkaline soil. So uh, basic science tells us that whatever plant life requires an acidic soil to grow will start to die off when that soil changes uh, into alkaline, exactly uh, what's happening up there. So um, we found uh, uh, and spoke with a lot of credible scientists, but we, we actually filmed in Hawaii as well, and many people told us that these programs were happening in Hawaii, and we really didn't believe it. We didn't think that they were toxifying paradise. But sure enough, when when we got there, we uh, we saw aerosols in the sky. Um, and I've studied time lapse, um, so I know what they look like. And we didn't have any tests at that time, though. So we, we really encouraged uh, some of the scientific community and, and the members, uh, the citizens of Hawaii to uh, test the rain, and they have. We've we've gotten several members um, in in that community as well as uh, the director of medical here to go ahead and start testing. Uh, unfortunately, what they did find was uh, uh, massive amounts of aluminum, barium, and strontium in all of their tests. And this fallout in the rain, there should be zero aluminum. Uh, by the way, it matches geoengineers' plans exactly, and it also matches uh, numerous patents. Exactly. So uh, the trip back was an incredible trip because many people since we filmed there uh, have awoken to this issue uh, and they're starting to take action. Mm. And what what type of action are they starting to take, Michael? Well, it was interesting because we had an outreach at, uh, at Earth Day and uh, literally handed out several hundred free DVDs of the film and uh, we had an opportunity to speak with everybody who attended about this issue. Um, public interest was so incredible that uh, a couple days later uh, they decided to have a town hall meeting. Maui's very small, uh, but we got over 200 people to come into that meeting, including some political figures and also the director of health. 
And uh, during that meeting, citizens really wanted to do something, and what they decided to do was start uh, the writing of an ordinance called the Blue Sky Ordinance, uh, and that's an ordinance that will ban aerosol spraying from chemtrail geoengineering programs above Maui. So it's incredible to see what they're doing. Wow, that's exciting. Maybe that'll be happening more all over the world. Maybe they'll just kind of set the pace for that. That would be what are some of the what are some of the questions that you get uh in doubt of the spraying that's going on? What are some of the uh the things that are thrown up as far as why this could not be happening or arguments, so to speak? Well, maybe I'll take a first stab at that uh, Mike, if you don't mind because it's a, sort of a generalized question the most um the most common opposition you get from people who don't want to uh, to admit that this is happening is they, they try and explain it away. They say, oh, well, those are not chemtrails at all. Those are just normal contrails. New people are paranoid. You, you believe in conspiracies. And they, they try and ridicule any serious questioning of of the norm. And they, they try and convince – they're not really trying to convince us because we know better. But what they're trying to do is convince the onlooker the person who doesn't really know which way is correct. You know, I said, well, we hear this side, we hear that side. And so the, the arguments are really aimed at the person who's trying to figure this out for the first time. And there's a lot of ridicule that they, they use. They say, well, this is not real science. You people don't know what you're talking about. Contrails will last for long periods of time if, if it's sufficiently cold and if there's sufficient uh, moisture in the air. And, yes, uh, we, we've had contrails ever since World War II, and they produced some photographs that are rather convincing of a lot of real genuine contrails that did last for you know quite a bit of the sky. But those were under extremely rare circumstances, as we can demonstrate. But they they try and confuse people. And so the first line of defense is ridicule and trying to convince the uh, the casual observer that these are nothing but plain old ice crystals formed behind jet planes and don't worry about it. The next line of defense is they try and pick apart the, uh, the uh, testing that's been done. I, I recall uh, when the guys were up there in California and they found this aluminum, high quantities of aluminum up on the snow on Mount Shasta, and there were the tests, you know, where there's no suppo- not supposed to be any aluminum coming from the sky and the rain or the snow up on Mount Shasta, but there was the test. And so what did they say? Oh, well, you know, people ski up there on Mount Shasta, and skis have aluminum in the bottom of them, and so therefore this <laughs> aluminum obviously came from the skis, you know. So the next line of defense is to try and pick away and find some plausible denial, no matter how ridiculous it is, that, you know, the person that's really not informed might say, Oh, oh, yeah, okay, skis, that would do it, and that's the end of it. But when it comes down to real science, there's there's no way in the world that they can really get around this. And so they, they rely a lot on ridicule and uh, and ignorance. That's about it. Yeah, and Michael, I understand that specific area that uh, Mr. Griffin was just talking about. They don't even ski in that area. Is that correct? That That is. That's the, uh, the ironic part about it. And we were at... Uh, our Hollywood premiere, and there was somebody who who was in there with an obvious attempt to to uh, discredit our work. And uh, I had asked him. I said, uh, "Well, if if uh, you have all the answers, please tell us where you know where where all this aluminum is coming from on Mount Shafta." And he said, "Well, it's coming from the bottom of skis." And I said, "Well, that's a good theory, but 
Uh, ski Bowl, which is where the test was taken, is not a ski area. And, uh, you know, they failed to address uh, not only that, but the thousands of other uh, documented tests that proved positive for aluminum. Uh, and they also failed to address the massive amounts of barium and strontium uh, that have been found uh, as well around the world. So, uh, again, like Ed said, they do. They really rely on on, uh, on people not questioning this and people not looking into it. But, you know, they're really not effective because since the release of our film, millions of people have woken up um, to this crime and uh, hundreds, if not thousands, have begun taking action. So it's been very instrumental in, uh, in, in awakening people. Yeah. You know, it always starts with a small group of people, and uh, I think that the movement and the awareness level of chemtrails is uh, greatly increasing. But, you know, like like Mr. Griffin said, you know, there's still so much ridicule out there that, um, you know, a lot of people are just afraid to talk about it. Well, I, I do see that change, you know. I, I really do. And uh, it is because, I think because geoengineers, are coming out. They're talking about their programs, talking that this is something that they, they don't want to do, but they might have to do. And what they're doing is conditioning the public to accept these programs. And, and like Ed said uh, in the film, he said, when it comes out, and it undoubtedly will, uh, they will say, look what we're doing. We're doing it for your own good, for the benefit of society. But in our humble opinion, and I quote uh, G. Edward, it's not in the best interest of us. And it really looks like uh, there are some nefarious agendas uh, be behind what they're doing. Some of it could be uh, uh, food control, uh, military weaponization of, of the weather, and uh, possibly depopulation. So, uh, again, we know that there are agendas to consolidate power um, and to militarize the, uh, the weather, as we discussed. And uh, it appears that these programs um, are very instrumental in doing that. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a question. We're going to go a little bit into uh, what you were just talking about, weather modification, but I think we have a caller on the line here, so let's see if they have a question. Hello, caller. Do we have a question? Anybody there? Do we have a question? Well, I guess not. Okay. Uh <laughs> You know, excuse me, we're kind of new with this whole dashboard thing, but we did have a caller on the line, but we lost them. So so how do you think this geoengineering is affecting our current weather patterns? I mean, the weather is crazy all over the place right now. I mean, the flooding in Mississippi, the droughts in Texas. Uh, what What's your opinion on that, either one of you? Well, I'll jump in on that one. Uh, the opinions, uh, even among us, vary on that topic because here it's speculation. We, all we don't really know. We, what we do know, we try and stick with. We do know that they're spraying. We do know that what they're spraying is highly toxic. We do know that they're lying to us about it. We think that's you know quite enough right there. But mm -hmm. uh, now, when you get into other areas, such as, well, could this possibly be affecting our weather? And uh, are they using other uh, types of technology in combination with this, such as radio frequencies generated by large antennae that reflect off the aluminum in the atmosphere and so forth? Well, those are all possibilities. And we have to acknowledge that, you know, we can't rule it out. 
but as far as I know, none of us have real uh, smoking gun evidence that that is, in fact, what's happening. But we'd be foolish uh, to close our eyes to that. Uh, but there's a, there's a fine line. You know, you have to say, well, we don't know for sure. This is something we have to watch. It's a possibility, perhaps. But let's just stick with what we do know, which is that they're poisoning us and lying to us about it. What's your take hey. on that, Michael? Well, I, I agree uh, with that. Uh, on that. I can share a story, but I can also share uh, from the, uh, the geoengineering conference that I went to and some of the, there are many risks associated with geoengineering. Um, some of those are ozone depletion, which we've had a, uh, a very much of a depletion in the past seven to eight years, uh, but there are also droughts in certain areas. So. Uh, Ken Caldera, the number one geoengineer in the world, says there will be winners and losers in geoengineering. So it's very interesting. But the story I wanted to share with you, Dane Wigginton, who is a solar power uh, expert, and he's also worked in lightning suppression for a number of years, so he studied weather. Uh, he has 2,000 acres overlooking Lake Shasta, and we interviewed him. And it's very sad because much of his property and the plant life is dying off. On there, but we spent a couple of days uh, in the late fall on his property in in the forest, and a big winter storm was coming in. And I think it was projected that it was going to drop about three inches of rain. And when we woke up in the morning, Dane said, "Mike, I want you to listen closely." There was cloud cover, and he said, "What do you hear?" I said, "Well, I hear I hear jets." He said, "We are not." at all in a flight path. He said, however, you will hear these jets flying by all day. And he said, this is very common. He said, what I think they're doing is seeding the clouds, sequestering the moisture, barium, uh, which is being found as a desiccant. So it will change the molecular structure of, uh, of clouds so that it will not rain. And he said, what they're doing essentially is steering storms. It's believed that the uh, because aluminum is a conductor that uh, they're heating up various parts of the sky. And at the geoengineering conference, David Keith uh, spoke about their ability to heat up, I believe it was over 200 square miles of, of sky within that. So uh, it's believed that they can create high-pressure and low-pressure systems and essentially steer storms. But anyways, Dane said, watch. This storm, he said, we'll be lucky if we get a drizzle or any rain at all. But he said, watch later in the week. He said, will get flooding in the Midwest and the East Coast, and that's exactly what happened. So, uh, again, it's speculation, but uh, I think we definitely need to be open to that, and that's something that, that I really want to look into and find some hard facts and, and expose because I believe it, it's happening. Well, so you're going to be kind of gearing in that direction for uh, creating more evidence in the weather modifications, kind of taking it to the next level? Well, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm definitely open to it. So if, mm -hmm. if the opportunity and, and the calling is there, I definitely want to want to answer that call. But I think it's I think it's a real important issue, and many people today can can relate to the strange weather, and many people have had intense uh, losses, you know, um, for, as a result of this weather. So it definitely merits some investigation. You know, I've had a concern also um, about the radiation levels uh, since the, uh, you know, the earthquake in Japan. And I'm wondering, you know, how the radiation fallout and the chemtrails, I mean, what, what a toxic mixture we have going on right now. Have you given that any thought? 
Ed, do you want to take that one? Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess the simple answer is yes. Okay. <laughs> I think we've all given a lot of thought to that, uh, but where do we go with that? It's concerning enough uh, that we have uh, particles that are carrying radiation with them and being dropped into our air and our soil. Uh, there's some disagreement about how serious that is, but as far as I'm concerned, I don't like it. Um, it's possible that the threat is being overblown a little bit, but uh, I don't, you know, I, I'm one of those people who would like to err on the side of caution. I'm concerned about it. Um, hopefully it's not as bad as, as it might be. But nevertheless, we do know that they are dropping um I shouldn't say they are dropping, but uh, particles of radioactive material uh, are being dropped on our continent, and it's going to go into the water. It is going into the water and into the soil, and we're going to somehow wind up with it in our systems. Fortunately, a lot of that stuff has um, you know, very low impact. Um, the, uh, I was just reading an article the other day. It was kind of interesting that the, the uh, material with, a, with the shortest half-life uh, you know, maybe 90 minutes or an hour and a half half-life. Um, the bad side of that is that uh, that goes away very quickly. Within a couple of hours, it's practically uh, non-detectable. Um, but it's also the most uh, dangerous because it has the most impact on our our genes and on our uh, our cellular system. The stuff that lasts forever, you know, that everybody's so concerned about because it lasts near it, you know, an eternity is very, very low in radiation emission and has practically no impact on human cellular uh, growth and development unless it's in extremely high quantities. So anyway, that's, those are interesting facts, but the point is that we're still being uh, exposed with an unnatural load of radiation, and I don't like that. I don't think anybody else does, no matter what, how, what you feel about how serious it may be. But now the question is, does that interact in some way with these chemicals that they are spraying? Are they making it more potent? Does it carry in the air longer or any of those things? Boy, the question is, have I given it some thought? Yes. Do I have any answers? No. Yeah, I've I've given it some thought too, and and you know obviously I don't have any answers either. But it it sounds like a pretty uh, toxic dose of something that we don't want in our system. Yeah, it's a cocktail you don't want to drink. No, no. So, so, Michael, what's next? What's next for uh, with what you're doing? I know you're you're speaking a lot and getting the word out, but um, what are your plans for the future and creating well, right, more awareness? Right well, what what I've been learning, and and I am seeing uh, a tremendous openness in terms of people who are starting to ask questions and wonder what what they're seeing in their sky. So. With that being said, I really am concerned with what's going on, but I'm also very hopeful because for the first time in probably history, I'm seeing uh, my fellow human beings stand up and starting to address this and starting to want to take action. And, uh, you know, I'm an activist at heart, and, and that's going to be the main focus is, as to, to what I do. Uh, I just got off the phone with uh, former Senator Karen Johnson, um, and we're talking about addressing this politically. So she uh, she wants me to come down to Arizona and uh, talk to a couple lawmakers down there. And I was thinking about making maybe a, a quick YouTube video uh, with some public officials addressing this and then telling the public what they can do. 
politically to address this. So I really, you know, my focus is to really get people activated, involved with this. And uh, G. Edward and um, I had started the coalition uh, against geoengineering. So we have a web website, coalitionagainstgeoengineering.org, and uh, it's been instrumental in in, uh, in getting a lot of information out. But I'm really, we're really trying to encourage people to hit the streets with this message. So here in Los Angeles, I've created uh, a meetup group, and uh, what we do once a month, we get together, we have banners, and uh, we we uh, we get copies of what in the world are they spraying, and we hand them out to the public and, and just educate the public. So. It's been, uh, we had our first outreach last month in Venice Beach, and wow, uh, many people from the community came up to us. They thanked us for being there, um, you know, and said, wow, it's great to see somebody finally hitting the streets and, uh, and addressing this. So we're trying to encourage people, uh, not only in L.A., but around the world to start these groups and get active, not only at the local level, but, you know, at, at many different levels. So it's uh that's my focus that's uh that's what we're doing great and getting getting everybody involved that you know really cares about this issue is so important you know uh we've we've done a screening here in the small town of woodland park and you know just by sharing this information with a couple of people then they share it and that's how that's how the word gets out. So um, have you been met with much resistance from any of the folks from Washington since the release of your film? Have you heard anything from anyone? Well, I, I can uh, I can answer that. A lot of people ask me, have you heard back from any of the the politicians who you sent letters to? And, and the answer, and I wasn't surprised, no, we haven't heard back from anybody. We know... Uh, I've, get a bunch of emails from people who have uh, have addressed this issue with Diane Feinstein or Feinstein and uh Barbara Boxer and, and many other um of the uh politicians in Washington and and the response is the same what they typically get back uh from these officials senators members of congress appears to be the same letter stating that the uh the chemtrail issue or chemtrail geoengineering has been debunked what people are seeing is simply contrail so it, it appears it's a very difficult situation for a public official to address because, A, if they admit that it's going on, then they have an obligation to address this and do something about it. We have to remember these are crimes. These are crimes against nature and humanity. Um, they're black ops programs, and they're hurting a lot of people. So I think there's a lot of fear in Washington, D.C., um, for our public officials to, to address this. And, and I think a lot of people who... Uh, whose job it is to address this really don't know what to do. So as a result, they're uh, they're using their plausible deniability and stating what we're seeing is is simply condensation trails. However, the uh, thousands of duplicate tests um, and documentation just completely contradicts what they're stating. Okay, there's uh, here for minutes, a second. Actually, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Susan. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Kucinich talks about chemtrails. Um, I thought that was interesting that he's he's brought that up. Um, so there are some people in government that are aware of what's going on. Well, well that, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll kick in. I think I think Michael oh, Prewell right. covered that. They're aware, but they don't want to. Uh, they don't want to sign in on it. You know, they want to right. plead plead as much ignorance about it as possible. 
that way they're not responsible. See, this really touches on a, a deeper issue, which is uh, is bigger than chemtrails even, and that is how can something like this, something as important as this, and something as devastating as this be going on, and none of our leaders are willing to do anything about it? And the answer is that there's some force there that's bigger than we want to admit even exists. There's something bigger than politics here. It's something very powerful that has a grip of fear over our own elected leaders, and that's a you know that's topic for a whole book or another program right there. What is that force? Where's it coming from? What's its goal, and so forth? I'm actually I'm actually reading a book right now that kind of addresses that issue. Um, it's called uh, uh, Allies of Humanity, and um, I'm just oh probably 75 pages into it, but um, it's an interesting book, so you might want to check that out. Indeed, yes. Well, we know it's there, and it's very real, and uh, nobody wants to really look at it uh, or certainly even talk about it. Right. Well, before we go any further, we're going to take a break so we can listen to our sponsors. And do we have any callers on the line that have any questions before we go to break? Okay, yes. so we're, you you have a question? Yes, I do. Okay. Go yes, ahead. Yes, uh, my question is is for Mr. Uh, Murphy. Yes. Are you there, uh, Mr. Am? Murphy? You're you're um your expert on the uh, sampling is Francis Mangles, correct? Well, there are many uh, different experts around uh, the country now who have taken taken many different tests, but he uh, he's one of them. Okay, um, Mr. Mr. Mangles. Mr. Mangles was on on this uh, the same program, and he mentioned that he knew of no possible natural source for strontium, barium, and aluminum in the Mount Shasta area. However, if someone Google's strontium and Mount Shasta, what they will find is that there's a the, the whole mountain is made of andesite lava, which is high mm -hmm. in strontium, aluminum, and barium. Did he tell you oh, that? that? You know, I'm not sure if he did, um, but that's interesting. Uh, we know now, that... all a person has to do is, is Google strontium and Mount Shasta, and they find out strontium is very high in the lava which formed Mount Shasta. Now, I noticed that your snow samples were taken in July. In July, the snow would be a little bit dirty, don't you think, rather than fresh snow? Well, based, based on your line of questioning, it's, uh, it's pretty apparent that you don't want to believe this. And neither well, do we. It's not just me. The, uh, the well, people in Mount talk, Shasta... I'll be able to, re be able to respond to your Mount question. Shasta, two years ago, the people in Mount Shasta, in the newspaper, it was recorded that there was new tests find no trace or no aluminum in the area water. The people in Mount Actually, Shasta that, found, I can address they know that. that. Well, that was well water, and uh, Francis agrees with that. Um, none no, of that, that was stream water. has gotten that through the aquifer. surface water. So I can address that question. But, you know, based on your questioning, none of us really want to believe that this is going on. But uh, bottom line is this, zero aluminum, zero barium, zero strontium should be in our rain, and it has escalated 
several thousand. No, it's in the. It's not. It's not necessarily in the past seven years. And with that, with that being said, sir, if you would let me finish. And it has escalated not only in Mount Shasta, but also around the world. Now it's very interesting that what we're finding was not there before the trails were there. It's very interesting that what we're finding matches geoengineers' plans exactly, and it matches numerous patents exactly. And again, I was like you. I really didn't want to look at it, um, and I really didn't want to believe it. But, uh, you know, upon our research, the toxicity that we're finding in thousands of tests, not only in Mount Shasta, but around the world, cannot be disputed. Well, the Mr. collapse, Marshall, the ecosystem cannot be disputed. The human health implications, such as respiratory mortality, which has gone from number eight down to number three in the past seven years, cannot be disputed. The level of aluminum question, in, in residents of Mojave County, which has been over 1,000 times the normal limits of barium and aluminum, those levels were not there. That Mr. Murphy, may I ask another question? And I'm like and you. Then we can move I don't want to. I don't want to believe this. However, upon our research, uh, we're very confident that that it is happening. So I want to ask you um, about uh, geoengineering. One quick question: the purpose of geoengineering is to increase the aerosols in the atmosphere. Is that correct? But what they they are proposing spraying aerosols into the sky. Well, so the now, how do, you, how do you explain the fact that over the last 10 years, aerosols, the Earth's aerosol thickness has been decreasing and not increasing? If they were geoengineering, wouldn't Earth's aerosol content be increasing? Why is it decreasing instead of increasing? Because this doesn't lend but, any credence to your theory Right. It depends on what aerosols you're talking about. We know no, aerosol aerosol has been increasing. If you'll let me answer, sir, we know that aluminum, barium, and strontium has been increasing. I have a question for you. Though. I don't know. Where's we know you, where's the your pH proof of the soil. I have a question it's for been you. Increasing. We know the pH of the soil is increasing. That cannot be refuted. We know I aluminum oxide. My, my soil has we not know been, aluminum has oxide not getting more increases alkaline. the alkalinity of soil. My question is this. No, aluminum oxide we know that is geoengineers, in We know that geoengineers are proposing spraying this. And aluminum oxide cannot change, er, change pH. Aluminum oxide Sir, cannot change pH based on what you're saying, contradicts what numerous scientists, PhDs, and professors have been telling us. Aluminum, Aluminum oxide, oxide will change the pH inert. of soil, and it will change. You are correct. It is inert, and that's why it changes the pH, because it's highly reactive. However, my question is this. Inert is not if, reactive. If you, don't, if you don't believe that they're doing this, aren't you concerned that they're planning on doing it? Aren't you concerned? I don't that think anyone is planning is on very doing toxic? it. Sir, I don't think aluminum is toxic at all. Not in the for, not in the form of aluminum oxide. It's not toxic. What you're it's saying sand. contradicts every physician that we've spoken to, and it no, contradicts every. It contradicts quacks. 
Okay, sir, sir. Geoengineering is a real science. So I'm okay. sorry that you're in denial of this. However, <laughs> the have a nice don't day. Matter thank to you. you. Well, maybe. you know, thank you very much for your questions, but I'm going to have to interrupt both of you right now to pay attention to our sponsors. <laughs> so we will be right Please back. Google Strontium and Mount Shasta. And you'll we'll see. Be, we will be right back we with food integrity. <laughs> food integrity now. We'll be right back. Are you experiencing anxiety, anger, depression, or low self-esteem? Do you beat yourself up or sabotage what you truly want to achieve? Hi, this is Jeannie Smith, and at Open Heart Healing, I combine counseling, gestalt therapy, and Thai energy work to assist those who truly desire to bring quality and joy back into their lives. My office is located on South Perry Street here in Castle Rock. Call me for a free consultation at 303-660-6373. Again, that's 303-660-6373, or visit me at openhearthealing.com. Linda Masterson, Soul Purpose Astrologer, works with astrological tools and with guides in the non-physical to assist ones in knowing their soul purpose. Important in this process is identification of significant blockages. In each session, tools are provided for working with self to clear resistance and free talents, skills, and abilities to fuller expression. The goal is to take responsibility for and to accelerate the healing process. Phone sessions are offered by Linda. Please visit Linda at lindamasterson.com or call 808-651-0307. Again, that's 808-651-0307. Hi, everyone. This is Carol again, and I just wanted to talk to you about one of our new sponsors, Hole in the Wall Herb and Vitamin Shop up in Woodland Park. The owners, Mark and Nancy Duvall, are not only close personal friends, but they're also my nutritional gurus. They are now selling, teaching, and doing a Syra bioenergetic testing on their clients. I had this done and I found out all my food allergies, emotional stressors, environmental sensitivities, hormonal balance, and I received a customized homeopathic remedy. Please call them for more information at... 1-800-437-3240. Welcome back to Food Integrity Now. We're speaking with Michael Murphy and G. Edward Griffin about the controversial subject, as we just heard, uh, (laughs) chemtrails or geoengineering. So uh, that was interesting. That was interesting. And, none of, again, none of us want to believe that geoengineering is real. However, it is for the public record that David Keith, Ken Caldera, uh, Bill Gates is is funding the science. And, uh, again, everybody who we've spoken to, including the, the physician, stated aluminum oxide is very toxic to human health and, and the environment. And, again, you, you know, I think we all go through a process before we admit that there's a problem, and that process is called sometimes denial. And uh, when you look at the facts, there, there's simply 
is no disputing it. Now, I wish the gentleman that called was correct, and, and that's what I would like to believe. However, uh, upon our research, and it's just not in Mount Shasta, this is a worldwide phenomenon uh, happening in most countries, not all of them, but the places where it is, we've seen profound changes. So it's, uh, it's very interesting, the, the psychology, um, and I think Ed addressed that really well uh, when we had a similar caller call in from the Nori show. Ed, you, I think you, you worded it correctly about the process that people go through. Well, I don't remember well, I that particular thing, but I'm just wondering, is our caller still on the line, or did he hang up? Uh, I think he hung up. Oh, that's, uh, that's too bad. I was, well, I was let, hoping... let, let me see if, uh, caller, are you still on Are you still on the line? No, he, he hung up. I think up. the caller left. Okay. Well, maybe he, maybe he could. The reason I'm asking is because maybe he could be encouraged to call back. I would like to know who this person is. Uh, he obviously is not in denial. He is not your average person looking at this topic for the first time. He obviously is well-informed. He's done some research. He's, he's been on the Internet. He, he knows he's identified the, uh, the exact names of some of these components. He knows the names of your experts and everything. So this guy is motivated. I'd like to know what his uh, name is and how we could reach him if he would like to identify, he would like to identify himself for the public because I would like to um, answer some of his questions uh, not in this uh, debate or argumentative form, uh, but but just see what he says, what his references are, who he is, uh, you know, what's his point of view, and really dig into it and do it, uh, you know, intellectually as much as possible instead of emotionally. He obviously wanted to argue, but I would like to see where he's getting his information and who he is and what his credentials are. He knows who we are. I think we should know who he is, too. Yeah, so we invite you, if you're listening, to please call back in. And, Matt, I think we have you on on here now. Matt is our co-host. Matt Spath, are you there? I'm here. Can you guys hear me? We can. Yeah. Oh, Matt, good. You, I was having you, some technical difficulties <laughs> earlier. Okay, but, great. Uh, I actually just I Googled Mount Shasta and Strontium, and I don't find anything to what the caller indicates that Mount Shasta is made of strontium. When you Google Mount Shasta strontium, you see an entire list and multiple pages of documents on chemtrails. Mm. Yeah, the other thing you mentioned is that, uh, is that aluminum is not changing the pH of the soil, and yet Monsanto is coming out with an aluminum-resistant seed. Why would that be? Well, there, there might be many reasons for that. What was interesting, he stated there was no science of geoengineering, and I think uh, Ed asked the right questions. What, where was this documentation? Because everything that, that we've researched, and I went to a geoengineering conference. I've uh, interviewed Ken Caldera, geoengineer, geoengineer David Keith, uh, and Alan Robach. So I'm wondering um, if, if these people were simply lying to me, stating that they were geoengineers when they simply weren't. But uh, anyways, we hope that he calls back and and uh, have a lot of questions for him. Well, remember earlier in the program, <clears throat> uh, the question was raised as, uh, what do people say in opposition? And the answer was, well, first they ridicule, and the second thing is they bring up, they try and explain away through plausible denial and 
few in little ways. And we mentioned the aluminum on the skis as uh, an example. Well, this gentleman has brought up some more examples of that. He was picking away. Well, just because there's uh, uh, aluminum and uh, and strontium and so forth on Mount Shasta in the lava flow, therefore, uh, should it be in the snow that came from the sky? Well, then his answer was, well, maybe, maybe because, look, the snow was sampled late in the year and it should be dirty. That was his point, suggesting that there was dirt on top of the snow that came from the lava flow underneath the snow and so forth. And this is how it goes, you see. It's it's always, well, maybe this and maybe that, and maybe the explanation is this, and what about that, and so forth. And that's what I call the yeah, but theory. You know, yeah, what you say is true, but what about this? And yeah, but this, and yeah, but that. And they go on and on and on. And I think the whole goal there is to discourage the the casual uh student who's just coming into this thing, discourage them from coming to a firm conclusion. They want to just confuse them and muddy up the water and say, oh, well, who knows? Maybe this guy is right. Maybe the other guy is right. I think I'll go back to watching uh, Dancing with the Stars, you know. (laughs) 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 That's how it works. Well, (laughs) and I think the psychology of this all is it's kind of understandable because this is something that is hard for people to believe that this could be happening on such a global scale. And people have a tendency to want to believe that our government, our military, we're all being taken care of. And so this just challenges belief systems in a big way. So, you know, when belief systems are challenged, people get defensive. So, oh, very you know, defensive, yeah. Yeah, so so I so I understand that and um, you know, it's I think, you know, in my effort to bring awareness, it's not about trying to prove it to anyone. What I would like to do is to have people go out and do do the research, take the time to figure it out for themselves, to take some initiative to get involved. And that's one of the things we try to do on our show, to get people up off of the couch. Well, this is a topic that I think one of the things that one of the things that, that makes it difficult for many people to to comprehend this is that they don't they don't understand uh some of the forces at play. Um, namely some of the sources that you you talked about, Mr. Griffin, in your book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. And um, if you would, would you go into that a little bit? Well, yes, I'd be happy to do that. Um, They're not exactly the same forces, but they look practically the same from a distance, don't they? They're hidden for the most part. They're not what they appear to be. I wrote about the Federal Reserve System, which most people thought and still think is a government agency, and it's not that at all. And you can, you know, there's no real debate about this once you get into it. But still, <clears throat> I would guess that 90% of the people think that it's a government agency, and they think it can be controlled, that, that Congress somehow or the president somehow has control over the Federal Reserve and monetary policy, and that's not true at all. And so in that sense, it's similar. Most people believe that somehow our government uh, agencies and, and our representatives are, are really able to prevent any spraying of the skies unless they approve of it, and that's not true at all. So there are a lot of things that just people believe that aren't true. And um, in the field of money, which is where I uh, perhaps my one of my strongest suits because I've spent so much of my life studying it, and when I say money, I'm talking about the origins of money, how it how it's created in, in the United States, the uh, the power of the central banks, the fractional reserve banking, and all that sort of thing it takes a lot of study. But once you once you've bitten the bullet and, and you finally found out what it's all about, it's amazingly simple. 
and uh, but it's obfuscated. It's tried to made to be made uh, look confusing so that the average person will just say, "Oh well, I don't understand this. I just leave it up to my elected representatives and those big uh, smart bankers to figure it out. I'm sure they're going to do what's best for me." And and that's kind of the way it works in this field of geoengineering, too, that what they really want people to do is to say, well, these guys look like they're sincere, and they sound like they're being cautious. They they don't look like wild guys, and and they're scientists, see? They understand these things, so we'll just let them make the decisions, and we'll not be too concerned about it. So there are a lot of parallels. You know, almost everywhere you look in your life, whether it's geoengineering or monetary systems or healthcare or wherever, you know, you you find education and so forth. You find this sort of mentality where it's assumed that the experts really know what they're talking about and that they have our best interest at heart. And I think mm-hmm. it's time that we begin to look more carefully at that assumption. Yeah, and I know I've heard you say before. All you have to do is follow the money, and I'm wondering yeah. how, how this all ties into geoengineering and chemtrails. Well, it's it's a major industry right now. Can you imagine what it costs to be spraying the, the skies around the world, and uh, and and the uh, impact that has on agriculture, the changing of the soil and the water, and the the demand that might be creating uh, creating for. Uh, geoengineered seeds that will grow better in the altered soils and, uh, you know, all that kind of thing. It's a huge amount of money changing hands. And uh, and now, maybe people missed this, but a few months ago there was a resolution passed at a United Nations meeting said that we want to put a moratorium on spraying, geoengineering, a moratorium, they said. <laughs> well, now, wait a minute. Let's back up. A moratorium means to stop it. It's already undergoing. We want to stop it is what they said. Well, right there, you know it's been going on or they wouldn't be putting a, a moratorium on it. And But the most important part was, was why they wanted to put a moratorium on it. Many observers thought, oh, that's wonderful. These people are concerned about it. Nope, that wasn't the reason at all. They mm-hmm. wanted to put a moratorium on it until such time as they could be sure that they are the ones that controlled it and not any one individual nation. You see? Mm. It's not that they were against it. They were worried about who was doing it. It should have been them, they said. So therefore, let's put a moratorium on it until we can control it. People have to become aware of these things, and then their little dream world will begin to, you know, evaporate to wake up and see reality. Yeah. These people are spraying the planet. And they have lots of uh, goals and motives, some of which is money, other of which is, is political power. Uh, and people power, power over uh, nations, power over individuals. And, you know, if you can control, oh, boy, how do I say this? If you can control the food supply, you can control people. Yep. If you can control, mm-hmm. if you can tr- control health care, you control the people. And if you can make people sick and then have a cure for it, you're an absolute master of the globe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, people just need to start reading between the lines a little bit and, you know, taking some initiative to really see what the real deal is. And, uh, you know, we appreciate people like you and Michael who are who are out there um, talking about this and writing books about this. And uh, that's that's what it's going to take, you know, just bringing the awareness. Well, it's a, it's a painful thing. You're talking about uh, the control 
I uh, I can't help but but see that there. I feel like that that there is a connection between the people that control all the money, controlled all the money, and then they were like, we want more control, and how are they going to get that? Do you have you found in in your research? Have you found any evidence about who might be doing this? Well, we, we do know. Uh, do you want to take that, Ed? No, you go ahead, Mike. Well, we we do know uh, there are several funding sources into the science of geoengineering. It was interesting because uh, geoengineer David Keith stated that uh, stratospheric aerosol geoengineering is so cheap that a small-time billionaire can fund it. And it's interesting because we have uh, a billionaire who is well-known, and I mentioned him earlier, named... Uh, Bill Gates, who is a funder in the geoengineering programs, and this is uh, a matter of public record. It was not when we produced the film, so we didn't, we weren't able to include it. But that is uh, public knowledge now, and it is is available for research. So we do know a few names, but we don't know every name and every person who's involved with it. Well, I think on that topic, Mike, it it, it doesn't really uh, mean too much to say that Bill Gates is uh, one of the major funders of this program, unless we realize what what Bill Gates is into. What's one of his What's one of Bill Gates' major uh, interests in in his so-called philanthropic work? And the answer is uh, population control. Right. Yes. Let's right. put the dot. Let's connect those dots, please. You know, that's you know that's important. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people are unaware of this, but Bill Gates, uh, his family has a history in eugenics, and uh, his father worked very closely with Margaret Sanger, who established Planned Parenthood. It was initially founded uh, called the Negro Project, and Margaret Sanger publicly stated, for the record, we want to put these in uh, African-American communities to, quote-unquote, get rid of the Negro problem. So this is uh, something that his father was involved with, and it looks like the apple did not fall too far from the tree. Yeah, and another great book uh, to read is um, William Ingdahl's book, uh, Seeds of Destruction, where he talks about the roots of all this, too, controlling the food, and uh, he's been a guest on our show, and he has also mentioned Bill Gates, so... Um, you know, it, it you can do some research, folks out there, and and find out a little bit more about about how this all works. So, well, we re- we're going to be running out of time here shortly, but this certainly has been an interesting show today, and we appreciate both of you being on our show again, and appreciate the work you're doing. And just uh, look forward to uh, hearing more from you and as this whole thing unfolds, because I believe, like Mr. Uh, Griffin believes, that eventually they're going to have to come out and admit it. But they're going to say that it was for our own good. Right. And I might suggest that if anybody wants to see our documentary that they haven't already seen it, they can find it on our website, which is uh, realityzone.com. And it's not hard to find. Once you get to realityzone.com, you'll find what in the world are they spraying. Okay. Well, thank you again, Michael. Thank you, uh, Edward. We really appreciate you being on the show. And uh, for all our listeners out there, we're going to have another show on next Wednesday, and we're going to be having Lorraine Murray. Lorraine Murray is a geoscientist, and she's going to be 
talking about the real deal on radiation. She is an expert on radiation. She's traveled to 50 countries, and uh, she's just a fascinating lady. So she will be on our show next Wednesday, the 25th. And Susan, Michael, do you have, or, or Susan and Matt, do you have anything else to say before <laughs> before we um, get cut off here in three minutes? No, I'm just, uh, no, I'm just looking great. forward to to seeing seeing what what unfolds over the yeah. next over the next year or so, and yeah. um, what what more research will will come about. Hopefully, yeah. we'll be able to uh, get even some more solid testing and. And, and really, uh, really prove prove the case. I might throw something exactly. in here since you said we had approximately now two minutes left. I guess we talked earlier about the uh, the arguments uh, being used uh, against what we're saying. One being to ridicule, the second being to be a yeah butter. You know, say yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but what about yeah. that? Picking in little details. There is a third one which uh, Mike touched on a moment ago, but it's going to be more and more important as people can no longer deny this reality. And that is they're going to say, yeah, there are dangers. This is a very dangerous thing that we're doing, but we must consider that not doing it is even more dangerous. Mm-hmm. In other words, the whole idea is that it's a it's a trade-off of risks, one risk for another risk. And the risk they're talking about is a non-risk. They're talking about the effect of global warming, which is a complete myth. So they're uh, they're depending on people's ignorance about global warming. They've conditioned so many people to be afraid of global warming and the destruction of the planet because of this climate change, supposedly. But they say if we don't do this geoengineering, then we're going to have to face the consequences of global warming. So be aware for that. Yeah. That's coming down the line. It'll be the final decision. <laughs> Right, right. Well, fear, fear has uh, been used. Fear and ridicule have been used for eons, and it's it's alive and well. Yes, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, certainly is. is. Yeah. Well, thank you again. You are listening to Food Integrity Now on Blog Talk Radio. Our website is foodintegritynow.org. You can email us at info at foodintegritynow.org, and we welcome all comments and questions. Thanks a lot. We'll be on the air next week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.